Pastor Josh, obviously not here tonight. Um, he's up at a camp in New Hampshire, a uh, week-long uh, ministry for him, uh, preaching every day, at least once a day, sometimes twice, so he has a lot of work uh, ahead of him. So we'll pray for him and for uh, strength and stamina, and not only to preach, but also to interact with the kids and the people there all week, which will um, certainly take a toll on you. Um, so we'll pray for him, and also we want to pray for uh, Annie Cobb. Many of you know uh, her uncle is, has been diagnosed with uh, cancer, and um, as you know, her, her father passed away about a year ago, a year and a half ago, and her uncle um, was recently diagnosed with uh, cancer, and, and now, is, uh, we learn, has like one week to live. So um, they're with uh, him in the hospital, and so we just want to remember their family as well. So let's go to the Lord as we start tonight. Father, uh, we do thank you for this church and for, uh, for building your church. This is a new church plant, and we're excited about it. Uh, we're thankful for the work you've already started here. Um, in just uh, such a short time, we pray that you would continue to build this church um, with the people here in this community, Roslindale, West Roxbury, and surrounding towns. Um, we pray that we would be people that love you and live for you and uh, share that love with others. And we pray for Josh uh, tonight, as he's, I'm sure, speaking even now as we meet here. Um, we pray for a powerful ministry for him and all the people that will um, sit under his ministry this week. Um, we do pray for strength for him and stamina. It's going to take a lot of energy um, with all those uh, speaking and, and, and ministering to people. And we also remember uh, Annie Cobb and, and her mom and her family. And uh, just pray for them at this difficult time with her uncle. Um, I'm sure it brings up a lot of what they had already experienced with her father passing so recently. And we pray for comfort for them and peace and that uh, they would trust you. And uh, we commit our service to you tonight. We really pray that you would um, uh, have your way in our hearts through your word, as, your, as the Bible promises, to perform its work in those who believe. And we believe, God, and May you work in our hearts tonight. Amen. So, it's been said that uh, before a preacher can preach to anyone, he must first uh, preach to himself. Um, as I was considering uh, what psalm to pick, I read through almost all of them briefly, and I thought, oh, this one in particular will be um, really good, and I was like, oh, I could talk about this and this. These things would be, would be pretty neat, so... As I, as I dove into it this week, um, I realized that those things obviously were still there, but that it really uh, was talking about something else I didn't see at first. Um, and uh, it's uh, really uh, been hitting home with me. Um, I kind of have a history of whenever I preach of sort of getting choked up sometimes, mostly when I talk about uh, the gospel and uh, God's uh, tremendous love for sinners and his work transforming people, um, although I never expect to, but sometimes it just hits me. Um, so we'll see how this goes tonight, um, and we'll get through it uh, one way or another. Um, prior to coming to CRC, uh, I've shared with you before, but my wife and I are involved in a ministry to troubled youth, um, kids who had been incarcerated at one time or another uh, for a variety of Different uh, offenses, some more on the minor side, and then uh, all the way up to uh, the most 
serious. Um, in, in our time working with those kids, uh, we saw God work in amazing ways, transforming their lives. And I think uh, as much as he used us maybe to impact their lives, he used them to impact ours. Um, as I reflect back on close to a decade of work with troubled kids, uh, I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about gangs, uh, not from reading books, but from interactions with gang members themselves. I learned a lot of new expressions. Uh, one that I love is, uh, real recognizes real, um, which basically, when translated, means that uh, kids can spot a phony. So uh, the application then was, don't try to be somebody you're not, just be yourself, because they'll see through it. So when you worked with kids, you didn't have to try to dress like them or know the right handshake or have the right language. You just had to be yourself. Um, one of my, uh, um, another one that stood out would be uh, this expression, good looking. I had this kid tell me in jail one time, hey, good looking. And I said, what? Uh, I didn't know exactly, I sort of had an idea what he was thinking, but so when I asked him to explain it, uh, he, he said it basically was a way to say thank you. Uh, it was short for good looking out for me. Appreciate that. Um, and I learned some new greetings, uh, some that I can't share here. But um, normally when I meet somebody, I'll say, hey, how are you? Or, hey, what's up, man? Or whatever. And the kids would say what's up but without the S. So it would be what up or what up, dog, or what up, homie. Um, another one I heard a lot was what's good. That was a new one for me. Uh, the one that stuck the most, though, I think, um, which is completely also grammatically incorrect, um, but I find myself using it because uh, just was around it a lot, was how's things. I know it should be how are things, but how's things. And uh, this one kid used to say this all the time. So it's kind of stuck for me. But my question for you all today is how's things? Um, are we good? Um, Do we say we're good when life is really blowing up all around us? Josh talked about this a few weeks ago, about being honest when people ask how you are. Uh, you know, when people ask how you are, be honest with them. Don't just say everything's good when, if it's not. And I think there's, you know, some room for exercising discretion with that. You obviously, uh, you know, pick the right people to share with and how much you share with, with those people. Not everybody needs to know all of your business. Um, but so long as there are other people that know uh, how life really is for you and um, in the midst of it, how it impacts your relationship with God and with other people. Um, but I think Josh was right on a few weeks ago when he said that in stressful situations, we either move towards God or we um, move away from him. And I think the same is true when things are really good. Sometimes when things are so good, we think, oh, we don't need God, I got this. Um, and sometimes we, we're like, wow, this is amazing, and so we continue. So there's this balance of, you know, moving towards God and moving away in good times or in bad. Um, and I think each of us has a tendency to go one way or the other uh, in times that are difficult. Um, do you press into God or do you pull away from him? What's your tendency? Um, so the last few months we've been summering in the Psalms, and by now we're pretty fairly acquainted with David, who was the king of Israel, um, who wrote almost half the Psalms in this book of Psalms that are basically songs, 150 of them. Um, 
David was king for 40 years. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Um, and he tried to live his life in a way that would really bring glory and honor to God. And yet we read about an incident that was so horrific, um, sins that he committed. And you think, boy, how could that be? Um, but we know that he fathered a child with another man's uh, wife. Uh, the man was uh, a member of David's secret service, somebody he would have known intimately well, uh, somebody that always had David's back, and he committed this great sin against him. In an attempt to cover the whole thing up, David had the man killed. Um, the kids in jail would say that that was grimy, and uh, I would agree, it was grimy. Um, but uh, the Bible says that we can't hide anything from God, and through the course of different events, David's sin was exposed. And But well, something amazing that we learn about David and sin, since we all are sinners, is that when we turn to God with a pure heart and, um, and we confess our sin to him, he forgives even the most horrible crimes. Uh, tonight, we continue our study in the Psalms with a look at another of David's, uh, Psalm 138. Um, as you turn to 138, just remember that the Psalms are written by a bunch of different people. Uh, but one of my favorite parts of the Psalms is just that they're brutally honest. Um, they read like something out of a journal. You really get into people's uh, hearts and minds, and uh, they're honest in that they, they don't hold anything back. I don't know if they ever knew they were going to be read. Um, they, they, they're written as if they were never going to be read, some of them, because they're pretty uh, personal. And uh, they express emotion and uh, wonderment about, you know, where's God and uh, all these things that we all experience. Um, as we come to Psalm 138, we see once again that David's in trouble with his enemies. Uh, I say once again because it seems like as you read through the Psalms, David is always seems to be in trouble. Somebody is always after him. Um, you read the account of David's life in, Sam, in the books of Samuel, uh, you'll see how true that is. Um, but verse 7 states it pretty clearly, says that, um, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life, you stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. So David is clearly in trouble. He's writing us the context of this psalm, and his enemies pursue him with, with great wrath. Um, so David was a man familiar with struggle, and he knew the fear that would come from being wanted, being pursued, being chased. Um, yet in spite of all this, uh, David continued to press into God rather than pull away. And uh, rather than blame God for certain events, um, he really took an attitude of uh, thanksgiving. And I think he probably purposed himself to be thankful in difficult times, because otherwise if we don't purpose ourselves to be thankful, we'll just be uh, complaining. So as we look at this psalm tonight, we'll see three reasons why those who love the Lord can always be thankful no matter what is going on around them. The first one is that God answers prayer. The second, God regards the lowly. And the third, God never gives up. So we can be thankful in any circumstance because God answers prayer. So follow along with me as I read verses 1 through 3. It says uh, of David, um, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple, and I give thanks to your name. 
for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you've exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. So have you ever experienced answered prayer? I hope so. Uh, God promises to answer our prayer as believers. I hope that as you've prayed, that you've experienced a real answered prayer. And if you can think of a time when you have that it was completely undeniable, do you remember what that did for you? Uh, David says that uh, when God answered him, it strengthened his soul. It increased his faith. Um, David starts off here, I give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. So David is overflowing with joy and thankfulness, and it's just pouring out of him from the depths of his being although he's in the midst of trouble and his enemies pursue him with great wrath. But he cannot help but praise God for what God has done. Uh, I think that sometimes when God answers prayer, I've done this before, unfortunately, but uh, so happy about it, but I forget to to thank God for it. Um, It just reminded me of the story in the New Testament with the ten lepers, if you know that story. But these ten guys had terrible disease, leprosy, and would end up dying with it. It was incurable. And they asked Jesus, please heal us. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. So they go. They, they on their way. And at, on their way, they're healed, all ten of them. And, uh, but only one comes back and thanks Jesus. And Jesus says, where's the other nine? And I find myself uh, struggling sometimes with that in answered prayer, where, where you become excited and you forget to thank God who did it. But God strengthened David's soul. He made him full of joy, so full of it that he could not keep it in. His whole heart. He thanks God with his whole heart. And uh, David goes on to say, Before the gods, I sing your praise. Uh, Praise belongs to the Lord alone. We know that. Uh, The Bible is really clear that uh, there's only one God. There's not a a bunch of different gods, like maybe Greek mythology. Um, But there's just one God. And yet the nations, as you read through the Bible, uh, the nations around Israel, had each one had their own God that they worshipped. So while the Bible denies the existence of other gods, the nations created their own. Um, But listen to what Psalm 115 says about these, uh, these other gods. It says of the nation's gods, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. Their mouths, uh, they have mouths but do not speak. Eyes, but don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Noses, but they don't smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. They don't make a sound in their throat. Those who make them will become like them. So do all who trust in them. But of the Lord, the psalmist says, our God is in the heavens and he does what he pleases. So David is so confident in the Lord and who he is, that he is the one true God and that there are no others. That were he in the midst of uh, this throng of the nation's gods, were this possible, he would yet praise the Lord. He would have no fear. Um, he would continue to sing praise to the Lord. Um, verse 2, he says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you've exalted above all things your name and your word. So as a result of answered prayer, and a strengthening of his soul, David bows down towards God's holy temple and gives thanks. He thanks God for his love and faithfulness, which 
In the Bible, these two words are often coupled together, um, really describe God's loving relationship with his people. Um, the word in Hebrew is hesed, which is kind of the equivalent, if you're familiar with, uh, we talk about agape love, which is the New Testament equivalent of this divine love that God has for his people. It's a love in which he shows favor towards people that don't even deserve it. Um, we're used to uh, showing favor to people because they were nice to us or whatever, but God shows favor to, to sinners, uh, even to people that uh, turn astray from him. Um, the Old Testament's replete with examples of God's hesed love, uh, and really it shows up in five different ways, and they all tie into what David is talking about here. Uh, first, because God loves, he redeems his people from their enemies and their troubles, which is something we get into in this psalm and so many of the other psalms. Um, second, because God loves, he preserves his people through life and death. We see examples of uh, people calling out to God in prayer who uh, were sick or had disease and on the, basically on deathbed, and God preserving and uh, elongating life. Another aspect of God's Hesed love, this divine love, is that he redeems sinners from sin. Uh, this is one of the foremost truths of the Bible that um, God redeems sinners, not, not on the basis of anything that, that we've done, right? Because we have nothing to offer, not even on our best day. But because God loves us so much, he grants us eternal life on the basis of what Christ has done on our behalf through our faith in him. Uh, and all the way through the Bible, we see this. This is very common that when I talk to kids, when I would go into jails and say, hey, if you guys were to die today, you know, would you go to heaven and, and how would you know? Um, and most often, almost, almost 10 times out of 10, they say, oh, you've got to be a good person. So a very common idea. And yet all the way through the Bible from the beginning, Genesis, all the way to Revelation, we see that it's only by faith and not by works. God redeems sinners from sin because he loves so much. Fourth, an aspect of this divine love is that God keeps his promises. Uh, God promised special blessings on the people in the Old Testament at the time of David, and today, for us, special promises for us, which he's promised to keep. God will keep his word. And finally, because he loves, he acts with favor towards his people. And as we see here, he strengthens their souls. So that David, no matter what he was experiencing, he's on the run with, from guys that are trying to kill him. Um, all of the things that he's going through, no matter what, uh, he could give thanks to God for God's steadfast, enduring, faithful love. God was David's redeemer, his preserver, his promise keeper and strengthener. And he is that for us as well, if we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. David thanks God for his steadfast love, his faithfulness, and for his name and his word. Uh, at the end of verse 2, um, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. So in our work with the kids, uh, before coming to CRC, uh, these kids in jail, the mentality that most of them have when they're on the street, uh, kids we would work with in Worcester and stuff, um, they wanted to gain street cred. You guys know what that is? Reputation, right? 
They've got to make a reputation for themselves, get acceptance, uh, create a name for themselves. Uh, a few years ago, this, uh, there was a lot of chatter. Kids were talking to us. They were excited about the release of uh, one of their gang leaders. He was getting out soon, and, and they were saying, boy, man, when, when this kid comes out, I won't use his name, but when, when this guy comes out, things are going to change around here. We're going we're gonna to run this city. Um, so that the name, just the name of this kid, and I didn't even know his exact name, but just his nickname, his street name, it evoked images of what could be, inspired hope for these kids, all for all the wrong reasons, of course. But when the Bible refers to the name of God, it's a way of saying that all that God is and all he's revealed about himself, uh, and as a result of who he is, he's exalted above all that there is. Uh, he's exalted himself high above all things, and he's exalted above all things, his word. Which I thought interesting, because the Bible is really clear that God shares his glory with no one. God alone gets the glory, and yet God has exalted, uh, chosen to exalt his word at the level of his name. Um, and as I began to reflect on this, I just realized that uh, it's only through the word that we know God, that we know anything about God. And uh, so that as we know his word, we know God. Um, and I think it's real important because there's a great movement in our society today against the word of God. Uh, we hear some of it on uh, the news uh, recently, um, people saying that its teachings are outdated and stuffy and, you know, just ancient and kind of get with the program and all these things. Uh, and there's a movement in the churches, too, some churches where uh, there's a real pullback away from the Word of God. There's uh, a prominent evangelical leader that most of you would probably know who recently said that uh, he was saying, yeah, there's a great push to read the Bible these days, more and more so, but in his opinion... He says, but I think we should be reading it less, not more, which I found very interesting. Um, but it's only through the word of God that anyone gains knowledge of God, which leads to eternal life. So it's no wonder that God has exalted his own word at the level of his name, with who he is, for his word reveals his name. Now David continues in verse 3 with another reason why he's abounding with thanks. And he says, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. So David is thankful because God has heard his prayer. And when God answered, it strengthened David's faith. Some translations say uh, that God made him, or you made me bold and stout-hearted. I kind of like that image a little better than strengthen my soul. It does a little more for me, but stout-hearted. I, I guess I think of uh, Braveheart or something like that, these warrior guys, you know. Uh, but David was revitalized, even in the midst of his troubles. Uh, as Christians, we know that we're supposed to pray. Um, and we don't pray because we, we have to. But we, we really should pray because we get to. Um, through our faith in Christ, the Bible says that we can approach the throne of God with confidence that he will hear us and answer. So, why don't we pray more? It's a great question. It's a great question for me. Uh, why does pray often feel like a have to rather than a get to? Uh, I think we either think that our prayers, do you ever feel like your prayers don't even get outside the house that you're in? Like they don't ever get past the ceiling. 
uh, like we wonder, you know, it's just a waste of time because God, you know, he does, it's not getting to him anyway. Um, or, uh, you know, we have such a, a low view of ourselves and God's not that interested in me anyway. Um, and yet God commands that we pray uh, because he wants to hear from us. And the Bible is clear that he does answer prayer. Uh, I think the struggle sometimes is that he doesn't answer in our timing sometimes. Sometimes he does. David says, on the day I prayed, you answered me. Uh, that may happen. Uh, usually it doesn't happen with me. Um, so we struggle with the timing, and we maybe struggle in the way that the prayer was answered. Maybe we were praying for something else, expecting, hoping for something else, and the uh, answer came in a different uh, manner. But uh, answers will come, and when they do, God emboldens our soul, making us stout-hearted and increasing our faith. But in order to receive answers through our prayers and this stout-heartedness, we need to pray. So David was thankful in the midst of his circumstances because God had answered his prayers. Uh, the second thing is that we can be thankful in any circumstance because God regards the lowly in verses 4 through 6. They say, All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. So at present, we obviously don't see this, all the kings of the earth giving thanks to the Lord, singing of the ways of the Lord. In fact, we see the opposite, where uh, the nations are not interested at all in the Lord, certainly individuals, as we are, but uh, nationally, uh, kings, and we don't see this as yet. Um, but the Bible confidently speaks of a day uh, to come when God will turn prideful kings into humble and, and willing servants of his who follow him and submit to his authority on the earth. The uh, Bible has a lot to say about the future and what's to come. Uh, Psalm 102.15 says this, Nations will fear the name of the Lord.